20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome into the Wednesday edition of the Pack a Day Podcast. As always, I'm Sarah Kelleher here with Steve Perhatch and Dusty Evely. How are you guys doing? Man, the next time we talk next week, we're going to be breaking down the game that happens that weekend. That's insane. I'm doing great. Doing great. Woo! Football! There he is. There he is. Good job, Steve. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. I mean, it's September, and it's one of those things I sat there today. I was at work, and I to my boss. I'm like, I can't believe it's September. And all of a sudden, we started thinking about it. Like, oh, my God. Like, football starts in 12 days for Packers football. Like, that, that's real. That's, that's a real number. I'm like, oh, my God. Now, so now I'm excited that it's September. But, uh, I mean, summer went by in a blur. And uh, I'm excited to get some, some actual football going. We've had a couple fantasy drafts already. And uh, I, I'm ready to go, man. Yeah, I think for me – I have been so nervous just about sports in general and if they're going to happen and what they're going to look like that so much of my energy that usually is kind of is spent getting hype for the preseason and some of the preseason games as boring and bluff as they can be, I just was kind of nervous instead. And now all of a sudden here we are, like you said, 11, 12 days out and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's real. It's going to happen. There's a plan. There is going to be football this year. We're going to see the Green Bay Packers soon. This is awesome. So it couldn't be happier. So as far as the Packers um, and basically what's going on with them, and just a quick recap. So on Sunday, um, which I'm sure most of you guys listening are aware of this, uh, they had a full scrimmage, so completely unscripted refs, everything was there. Um, and basically the biggest takeaway from everyone at the scrimmage was that MVS is a beast and he's going to be awesome this season. So I know Dusty is just grinning ear to ear <laughs> right now. Um, about that and then now they're kind of transitioning from their training camp schedule to the in-season schedule weekly schedule that they follow so um, Monday was just kind of a recovery day watch some film um, kind of day and then Tuesday was an off day and then today they will practice again so we'll see um, there was a couple guys that sat out with injuries we'll see who's back we'll see I know uh there's been Mercedes Lewis has been taking a few veterans rest days here and there. So we'll see if he rests or if he's back. So should be some exciting stuff going on there. Um, as far as news around the league, there was a big signing yesterday, which we're going to break down a little bit here. So let's pull up the numbers. So broke the news today that the Bengals are giving running back Joe Mixon a four-year four-year deal worth $48 million. So Dusty, I know you have the numbers. If you want to break them down a little bit and talk a little bit more about what this means for the Packers and Aaron Jones next season. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was the refrain. There's been, you know, a handful of uh, running back deals and every time it's, what does this mean for Aaron Jones? And so this, you don't know exactly how this is going to work out, but you're kind of looking at the numbers going, does, does the structure, because that that's always the thing, what's the structure of the deal, what's the money? Uh, so four-year, $48 million, like Sarah said, $10 million signing bonus, $19.3 million guaranteed, and 800000 in workout bonuses. And the, the crazy thing, and this is where uh, this cannot work for the Packers, a specific structure cannot work for them. If you look at the dead money portion of it, 75% of Mixon's dead money hit. 75% is in the first two years. 
in the first two years. So if you look at, he's got a dead cap in 2020 of uh, 19.8 million, 2021, 16 million. Then after that, 2022, 6 million, 4 million, 2 million. So they, there is a, like a, oddly, a potential out after 2021 where the cap doesn't kill them that much. So it's one of those like, the structure of it, it works for them. The Bengals have money. Um, that's that's great. That's amazing. If you're looking at this from the Packers' perspective, they can't front load that because of where the cap is, how the deals they have. We've talked about that a thousand times, which means if you're going to do a deal of that kind of money and that kind of structure, you backload it, which is how all of the deal, <laughs> deals are now. And so it wouldn't look the same. And if it did, you'd almost have to invert those things, which makes it tougher down the road. And they've already got quite a few contracts that make it tougher down the road. So uh, I, I think the money, I don't know, financially, the money, I think, seems about in line with what you might think that Jones could get. Uh, but I don't, it, it, that this specific deal definitely would not work for the Packers given given their current cap and, and what the cap is likely going to look like for the next year or two. I saw it and immediately said, well, Aaron Jones is going to be on a new team next year. Yeah, It's a sad, sad realization, and it's not anything any, any Packers fans want to hear, but you got to be completely honest with yourself as a fan and realize that Joe freaking Mixon just got $12 million a year as a running back. The Packers can't afford that. And then you throw in the fact that Dalvin Cook is already turning down deals that are uh, averaging over $10 million a year. And you can't tell me that Aaron Jones will take less than $10 million a year. So I would tell you, I think that he's gone. I, I forget where I heard it. I was listening to the radio, Milwaukee sports radio yesterday, I believe. And some people had said that they thought, Aaron Jones was going to be showcased for the first like six to seven weeks so they could trade him. And I mean, it's a very interesting concept, but I just think that Aaron Jones is, is a probably a goner after this year. They they've got Dylan that they hope can move on and kind of move go from there. Let me talk about I'm curious about the showcase thing because last year was last year was a showcase and you get more for him. If you trade him, before the year, you're not, you're not gonna. I mean, if someone thinks they're gonna make a run, I get that. But at the same time, like I don't, I don't understand the concept of giving up anything for a uh, half year rental of a guy that you're going to have to pay. Not, not to say no team will do it because teams are yeah. dumb and people are. I was dumb gonna with say things, that. I mean, that's that's been done plenty of times. So I guess I'm not really sure. I think they. I just think you get you get more if you trade him before the season. You you get a full season, and that very well that may be true. But I mean, I don't think you're gonna earn any favors with Packers fans, Aaron Rodgers, if you trade Aaron Jones and then try to tell everybody you're going with a rookie. I mean, it's a theory. I don't know how much stock you need to actually put into it. I'm just, I mean, kind of putting it out there. You can't say none. No, I put no no stock into it. I personally put no stock into that. (laughs) Great. I'm happy for you. I'm just, I'm presenting a conflicting opinion. Okay. It's wrong. It's a wrong opinion. (laughs) Oh God. (laughs) God, I kind of wish my internet hadn't come back on. I didn't have to listen to this jackass talk all the time. I was going to well, take shots at you regardless. You're just here where I can do them to your face. Okay. Well, on the topic of running backs, there's a lot going on in the NFL with running backs right now. So yesterday, I know Adam Schefter broke the news that Saints running back Alvin Kamara has had an unexcused absence from training camp. 
the last few days and it was believed to be contract related. And then yesterday it came out that the Saints are apparently open to trading him. Um, so there's been a lot of speculation there. And if he were to be traded, where he would go, uh, CBS writer Jeff Kerr said that the eight places he will most likely end up if he is traded are the Patriots, the Dolphins, the Jets, the Bills, Los Angeles, Tampa Bay, Washington, or the Green Bay Packers. So <laughs> lots of lots to unpack there. His reasoning basically was Aaron Rodgers is mad that they didn't draft a wide receiver. Now they can put more weapons around him in the offense. They could put Kamara in the slot and still utilize Jones. This is great. They should do it. And now they have A.J. Dillon to help in short yardage situations. What are your guys' thoughts about this? Because I've seen people all over the place about this on Twitter lately. Come on, Dusty. you got to agree with me on this. It would be an amazing idea. <laughs> what is this? Who, who invited this guy? You trade Aaron Jones to somebody else, and then you trade for Alvin Kamara. Like, come on. That's a, a no-brainer. No, it's a stupid, stupid idea. Like, that's just never going to happen. I can't believe that somebody actually wrote that list and was like, you know what? The Packers that have three running backs right now, they, they should trade for one that they're going to need. They need to pay Aaron Jones, number one, if they can't do that. But then let's bring in, we'll give up draft capital, and then pay Alvin Kamar. Like, there's no money for that. So, no, it's a, it's that, a really stupid idea. That, and I had to laugh, too, because in the article it literally said, well, the Packers already have the league's reigning touchdown leader, or running back touchdown leader, Aaron Jones. But, and I'm like, that, that should be period. End of sentence, right there. They have their guy right now. They'll worry about it next year when his contract comes up. I love um, – <laughs> Just looking at this because why not? Uh, Taysom Hill's like sixteen million guaranteed. Like, <laughs> not to say you know I'm not a big fan of paying running backs, but the fact that the Saints, I mean, they've kicked the salary cap can down the road as far as they can. I think at this point they can they can't really afford to pay Kamara, and part of that is because they just gave Taysom Hill big money. Twenty one million dollars. That's just that's so dumb. That's so How dumb. How can you pay your backup quarterback that much money <laughs> so you can't pay Alvin Kamara? Oh no, my quarterback God. of the future, Steve. For thirty thirty year old gadget player quarterback of the future, Taysom. <laughs> yeah, no, it's I agree with all that stuff. It's it's uh it's dumb. It's real dumb. There's no there's there's no Kamara in Green Bay would be awesome in terms of like what you could do offensively, but that's <laughs> That's the only thing that makes any sense in this. You're not going to pay him. You're not going to trade. Not going to trade. If you're going to pay someone, you're paying Aaron Jones anyway. It's just, it's, it's real dumb. All right. Well, everyone agreed that that was just kind of a, a hot take. So glad there was no arguing, arguing there. Um, in other news, besides of what's new, there was another dumb list that came out yesterday. So I know we are the podcast that preaches about these lists and that you should not pay attention to them nor care about them too much but this one this one i think really finally got to us this was the one where we were like you've got to be kidding me so it was the top nfl pass rushing duos for 2020 there was a lot of names on this list and the smith brothers were not on there so what are our reactions to that just to take the end my end thoughts for the elvin kamara thing and apply them here like it's dumb (laughs) but also again like I don't, I don't care about this. I like, I don't know who came up with this. I mean, there are. Listen, man, there's good names on this list. That's fine. I believe the Smiths are better uh, than the vast majority of these, but I also, it, I don't care enough to get worked up over it. It's just 
we're, we're close enough to the season that the no one needs to be making these clickbaity lists, man. Like just just get ready for the season. This this happens. This is like the uh, doldrums it's of the, the internet and Twitter. Of course, there's going to be twi- uh, clickbaity. <sighs> That's true. That's true. For those of you who haven't seen it, it starts with San Francisco, then goes to the four, then uh, the Vikings, the Bears, uh, the Chargers, the Cowboys, and then we get number six is the Saints with Cam Jordan, which sure he's good. Marcus Davenport. All <laughs> uh, right, then you go seven with T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree. And again, mm-hmm. then those two guys are rated above Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. That's what gets me there too. That's insane. That was that one was. You looked at that list and you're like, "Yep, that's a stronger pairing than Von Miller and Bradley Chubb." And even like I know Olivier Vernon is uh, that's next on the list is number nine is the Browns. It's Miles Garrett, Miles Garrett, and Olivier Vernon, and he hasn't like he isn't the same dominant guy he used to be, but he's still good. No, yeah, no, he's. I'd still take that the Garrett Vernon pairing over Jordan Davenport. Yeah, and and T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree, and then Jack Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul. I mean, I, I'm I'm sorry. I mean, they should be like in the top five of this list. I mean, Everson Griffin is part of the Dallas combination, and he's like 700 years old. So you, I mean, you can't tell me that. Yeah, it's. And that's a problem is we're talking about it because <laughs> this is what they do. They bring these lists out so people will talk about it and they get views and they get contact, like all this kind of stuff. And we're talking about it. But, man, did he royally screw this one up and it, it almost needed to be talked about. So, Yeah, this was this was definitely a lot. I'm actually looking right now and Zadarius Smith actually posted this on his Instagram story. He's um, he's real tuned into this stuff, man. Exclamation, exclamation point. Wow. And then a blank screen at CBS Sports. Y'all are so disrespectful with the fist. <laughs> so he's aware. He knows. He knows. Um, and that's a scary sight. So moving on from kind of what's happening around the league and um, some new Packers updates. Now we're going to answer some of your questions like we do every week. So to kick things off, we're going to answer a question from Stefan Kretschmer from Germany. He said he's been a big fan following Cheesehead TV since 2016. So that's awesome. Shout out to you, Stefan. And his question is, how do you blend sincere fan emotions and biased opinions with the necessary objectivity and calm observation? How would you describe the rift inside you? (laughs) I love the question. I do too. I think it's a great question. It's really good. The phrase, how would you describe the rift inside of you, is what all of us have been doing through quarantine. Um, and we've not been able to figure... That's <laughs> the human condition, man. It's answering the human condition. Um, as I'll lead off. I mean, I will say, you know, it was tough at first. I started writing uh, kind of on my own with a friend, I think in 2011, about football, kind of really starting to get into it. And it wasn't until, I think, 2013 when I started writing for... Uh, like a kind of a bigger site and have kind of jumped around a little since then. And at first it was tough. You're trying to, you're, you're, I mean, my, most of my, or my entire life up to that point, you're living life as a fan. You, you live and you die. And then you, you, that's football, right? You have like, you then have like a week, you have a week to either like get excited, be excited about what you just saw or stew with it. Like you've, you've got that reflection period that you don't have in a lot of the other sports. You have that, that long time. And so you kind of sit with that stuff. Well, when, once I started writing a little more, I kind of try, 
kind of almost forced myself or just learned how to um, disassociate myself a little bit. So usually during the game, there are things I'll pick up on. There are things I'm watching for, but I try to live in the moment as a fan. You're still watching. It's the ups and the downs and screaming and jumping around. And generally by the next morning, I still have those feelings, but I'm able to kind of, it's more, I think for me, the how was I how how am I able to do that? It's more of a um, like curiosity takes over at a certain point. It, it goes from like man, I can't believe he blew that play to okay, well, how did that happen? So it's more curiosity of digging in. How did all these things happen? How did all these moving pieces turn into what we ended up seeing? And for me, that's kind of more what it was. And that took, I mean, of, of seriously writing probably about a year to get to that point. Um, and so which. <laughs> The timing of that was was pretty fortuitous because that means that I don't hold some of those same scars from the 2014 NFC Championship game because I was able to kind of disassociate myself from that a little bit just to kind of see, okay, why did these things happen? How did this stuff happen? So, I mean, that was, for me, that was one of the biggest things. It was just this, I guess, the, the curiosity of trying to figure out what happened, how did this happen, kind of overtook just the, the insane feelings you feel. Yeah, I think one of the big things for me was I wanted to be able to not talk like a fan. I think that mm. was the biggest thing for because I I knew if you it, like I was gonna I was on radio and I won't and I did Packers post game shows and I wanted to have that ability to be able to like critically analyze what what I saw and everything like that. And Dusty, like I think I really agree with you. Like when you start doing it like that, you almost you, you still have that fandom and yeah. like, I still love the Packers, but the times that they lose and the times that like, you know, like I, I, it doesn't, it doesn't hurt less, but it does. It hurts a little bit less. Like the sting isn't as bad yeah. for me because what I'm going to do is I'm going to look at it in different ways is what they did wrong and how they improve and where they can go next and things like that. And instead of just wallowing in like that loss, which I used to do, like I always like if the yeah. Packers lost up the game, it would sit with me and my wife used to make fun of me all the time for that fact. Like I would, I would wallow in the fact she's like, you don't even play. Like, how does that, <laughs> how does that affect you this much? But I mean, it did like, it would sit with me and I, you know, but once you start doing this, you, you know, the analysis and kind of wanting to talk about everything, it kind of takes you a step to the side of it. Um, which it's been a lot of fun for sure. But uh, every once in a while you do kind of miss just, living in the complete moment of that and just uh, like the utter joy and the uh, utter disappointment of, of a loss. But um, it, it does, it takes time to figure out that line yeah. that you need to draw. But once you do, I think it, it's, it's not too hard to, to keep, keep your, keep yourself in the middle of it. Yeah. And I mean, you guys both made excellent points and I think, you know, at heart, we're all Packers fans. So there's times where that still kind of jumps out. Um, and you just have to learn to kind of reel it back in and focus on what's important. And for me, I, um, when I was in college at UCF, I covered a lot of the different sports um, while I was a student. And that was always really tough, like working as a media member and not cheering for your school that you have so much pride in. And you're just so excited to be there. Um, and after I did that for a little bit, I was like, okay, I think I can do this for the Packers. And I really wanted to, because it totally changed the way, like you guys said, that I saw things and it allowed me to actually learn a lot more about just 
schemes and different things that were happening because I took the time to understand it rather than just get really pissed off or frustrated that something wasn't working. I, you know, I had to understand it. I had to do my research. And in that, you really kind of see the game in a different way. So it is tough. It is a balance at times, but I'm really glad that, you know, I'm, I kind of made that choice because now I feel like I see it. I see the full picture before I was only looking at it, you know, from one little uh, lens. And now I kind of have a full panorama view of, you know, what's going on. So that's kind of how I would answer that one. Again, great question. Yeah, that's very good. never been asked and I don't think we've ever talked about it. And we've talked about it a lot on this show. So really great ask. Our next question is quite an interesting one. It is from Joshua Kisscamp. Which Packaday podcaster would have had several years ago or now the best odds of making A, an NFL roster or practice squad, and B, part of an NFL organization as a coach, scout, or front office member? So I'll just go ahead and start and say that none of us would make an NFL <laughs> roster or So we're going to skip yep. to yep. part B of this question. <laughs> But we're flattered that you thought someone on our team could. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as far as like people on this pack a day roster, I guess that could do uh, coaching. I mean, the first one, uh, former former pack a day podcaster is Owen Reese, who actually left podcast stuff to do. I think it was offensive line at UW Whitewater. I might be mistaken on that, um, but he was actually doing it. Uh, you know, coaching offensive line. So him or uh you know i guess i can i can throw a little love on on the the guy who runs this and say i think as far as like a personnel guy or anything i think uh andy herman would be tremendous the way the way he sees the game the way he's able to kind of evaluate players and just really get to the heart of it. I mean, you talk about a guy that that uh, we just talked about the you know being able to kind of analyze. Andy does such a good job of that, um, even in game. Let alone once he gets hands on tape and able to look at that. That I think just as far as any of that stuff uh, from from that angle, from from looking at that uh, from coaching standpoint, I think he would just be tremendous at that. Yeah, I would say again, very very much echoing that none of us would ever have made, <laughs> let alone a, a practice squad or let alone the NFL roster. That's Unless very as like a hidden football talent that we just are totally oblivious. Right. So sorry if anyone. I mean, knows. maybe somebody had, had played soccer and could have been a kicker. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but outside of that, I got nothing for the NFL organization. I would say probably the newest member of the pack a day podcast, Ben Fennel would be my suggestion. Yes, uh, ben was on a, a scout, um, you know, or in the front office level. Like I think, the way that he breaks down film and stuff like that would be would be outstanding. And Dusty will hate this, hate me for this, but I would tell, I would say the amount of research and things that he does for passing concepts. Like if you're looking for, um, you know, at this point, what I mean, what would you say, Dusty? You'd probably be an intern, right? Yeah. Passing a passing concepts intern. Yeah, yeah, or just like getting coffee for Prove people. Yourself. Something possibly Prove yourself yeah. a little bit. But uh, <laughs> after that first season as an intern, I would say you'd be able to get yourself a coaching gig. Appreciate that. Uh, Thank you, Steve. Yeah, no problem. You stole my answer because <laughs> and, and Dusty as well. I think solid film guys can go such a long way, and you guys are so intricate and pay such close attention to the detail in your work. And it's so important. I mean, there's stuff that you guys post when you post your clips on Twitter. And I'm like, how do you see that? And I'm <laughs> talking about, you know, looking at 
the game from a different perspective and this new view of it. And I feel like you guys, that view is just, it is just never ending. It is infinite. It go and you guys just see so many things I would never see. And that I think would be a huge asset to any team. So those, those two would be my answer as well. Too kind. Thank you. Our next question is from Heavy Fetton. <laughs> if you had to choose, oh, this is this is going to cause some some controversy right here. Would you rather have to eat a box of most stuffed Oreos once a week for the rest of your life, or have to end every personal interaction with the phrase "skull"? It's. I didn't like this one. I didn't like this one, um, but. <laughs> Really, listen. I can run off the Oreos um, if I get the die. If I got the beatus, I can take medicine for that. There's you can't shake off the shame of ending every interaction with Skull. Me and Sarah were talking about this. I had it beforehand. You think of how Russell Wilson just obnoxiously finishes every interview with Go Hawks? You have to do that, but you have to do that with a team that you hate in a phrase that I don't even particularly like saying. So no, it's 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 the Oreos. If it was a pack a day. Maybe that's a slightly different story because then I would literally die quickly. But one a week? No, I can, man, I can space out one a week. That's I'll, I'll do that. Steve? Yeah, I don't know, man. Those things are gross. Like, no, I know. Literally, so gross. I just, I can't imagine. Like, you guys ate three of them, and you both said like you never wanted to eat another one again. And that was three. That's 15. There's 15 of them in a pack. Mm-hmm. And then you have to do that four times a month, times 12 months. Like, I feel like I could, like, people would just, like, learn that I was saying school out of, like, spite or if I was saying school, like, for a reason. Like, I don't actually support this. There's nowhere in this question to say I have to say I'm supporting the team. It's just a I statement I, just, I have to say I don't, at the end. I don't like saying it. That's my thing. I, I tried saying it early, and I didn't like the way it felt coming out of my I mean, mouth. I can cough and still say it. Like, I can, yeah, figure, I can figure out ways around it. It's like you're just hacking point. up phlegm anyway, right? Like, exactly. that's what it sounds it's, like. It's a horrible sound. It's like, oh, like, you're fine. <laughs> you're fine. Like, I can do that at the end of every conversation. Nobody will be the wiser. So the, I'll, go- I'll take skull over eating a pack of those every week for the rest of my life. You just have to get a wingman, Steve, for every time you say it and you kind of like cough or make a sneezing noise, they can just be like, oh, bless you, and then move on, <laughs> kind of play it off as that. <laughs> I, I will say that Dusty almost convinced me to change my answer when we were talking about this, um, when we were waiting for Steve's Wi-Fi to come back before we started recording. But then I thought about the longevity of this answer and that I am only 22 years old and that that would be a lot of most stuff Oreos. So I'm going to have to agree with Steve on this one. I don't like either answer, but if I had to choose, that's what I'm going to go with. What you have to understand, if you take the Oreo thing, you know you've got max five years left on this earth. Yeah. Let's, say, let's say Sarah lives just fine. 50 more years in her entire life. You want to know how many most stuff Oreos you would eat in that time? I do. I'm gonna be sick. Thirty-nine thousand. Yeah, let's get it. Most stuff Oreos. Let's get it. Yeah, I'm really I'm comfortable with my answer. Um, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> Our, it just threw up in my mouth. <laughs> yeah. No, I seriously feel feel kind of just. <laughs> um. Ugh, okay. 
So our last question is from our buddy, Eric Rose, who always knows how to pair a good football question with a good food question. So his football question, um, which I know, Dusty, you're going to uh, handle this one. You did some research with this mm -hmm. one, is lots has been made of the Vikings move for Ngake. How would you grade the loose position groups, offensive skill, offensive line, defensive line and edge, and back seven across the division? All right. Uh, no. I will say I'm a little optimistic in terms of the Packers, uh, so that might color this a little bit, but I'll go through relatively quickly. So I did not rank them. What I did, I just I basically grabbed who I thought was basically the top uh, for each of these. So offensive skill, offensive skill is kind of tough. Um, I I kind of I'm kind of thinking Lions maybe. Um, I like that one-two punch of Galladay and Marvin Jones with Amendola in the slot. I think that that's a really solid like three wide receiver group. Plus, you've got year two of T.J. Hawkinson. You've got uh, Karrion Johnson, DeAndre Swift, uh, potential two-headed monster out of the backfield there. And then Stafford, who's having a solid year before the injury last year. Uh, I, I mean, I think that's I think that's a really solid group. And just kind of looking, I mean, I think. You could have made a case for the Vikings, you know, before Diggs. Um, I, I like Jefferson, but we've talked about him. I don't think that's, you know, year one. I'm not expecting much out of him. Um, I, I could also make a case. You could see, now I think there's more uncertainty here, but you could see where the Packers could be number one. There's so many unknowns. Like we've got, okay, we've got Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, and maybe even to a certain extent, you know what you have in Lazard. The jury's still out on EQ, MVS. The tight end group is just a huge question mark. Uh, Dylan, you know, to a certain extent, you kind of assume you know what he's going to be as a rookie, but you're not entirely sure. So you could see like roughly three weeks into the season, the Packers could be number one in that. Uh, but I think Lions for me, offensive skill, uh, offensive line, Offensive line, I'm kind of going with Green Bay, and that's kind of just because I don't like the rest of the division's offensive line is really more where that comes from. I think the the left side, I'm going to talk for a second, Steve, and then if you've got if you've got contrary, by all means, please jump in. No, no, there's nothing wrong. I'm just I, – I, it's one of those things like you say Green Bay's offensive line is the best, and you're like, really? And then you start thinking about everybody else's yeah. offensive line. You're like, okay. Yeah, that's the yeah, thing maybe. I was looking – I was looking at depth charts and I was like, I don't feel like I'm being a homer here, but most of them, it's not Suck. not the strongest offensive line. Now I will say, I mean, Lindsley, Lindsley, Jenkins, Bakhtiari, so center to left side is solid, and then right side, right side is still just unknown. Like is Lane Taylor maybe stepping in a right guard and Billy Turner is going to be right tackle, or maybe even Lane Taylor at right tackle? You're not entirely sure, but that's a little shakier. But I think the the for me it was Lindsley, Jenkins, Bakhtiari kind of sold. The Packers for me. Um, DL Edge, I mean, the Packers have the worst edge group in the league, I think. You know, 30th uh, in terms of what they have edge rushing, so not not good. It's a joke. It's a joke about the list. Um, I'm just going to go. I'm, I'm going to go Green Bay. I don't – the the D-line – I don't really love the D-line, but I don't know, maybe Kingsley Kiki shakes. I'm just really giving that – based on Zedaria Smith being able to line up a little bit of everywhere now, even more so with, with hopefully the ascendance of Rashawn Gary and, uh, you know, Kenny Clark in the middle and, uh, and the Smith. So I'm, I'm going to take that, but I don't feel great about it. I could also see uh, Chicago in there, just, just Akeem Hicks in the middle. And then with the signing of Robert Quinn and you've got the, the edge guys on the outside there. So I, I could go a couple different ways with that. Um, and then back seven, I don't, I don't know. I actually broke it up just because I felt like it. Uh, secondary, I went Green Bay. Uh, Jair, Kevin King, Amos, Savage, and then either Sullivan or Jackson if one of those guys shakes. And then linebackers, I went um, Chicago. 
uh, Trevathan and Roquan Smith I really like. You, I could also see Minnesota with uh, with Kendricks and Barr, I think. Um, but I don't know. I think I, I've not really loved Kendricks the past couple of years as much, so I'll, I'll give that edge to Chicago. So that might be uh, – that's a lot of me talking. Did any of you guys have thoughts about any of the stuff I was saying besides the OL, the O-line group there, Steve? No, I mean, I think – I think for the most part you, you you pretty much nailed it. I mean, there's there's talent around the the entire division, and I don't think anybody's going to be running away with it. Like nobody's mm-hmm. got just overwhelming talent on all different levels of their team. So uh, it'll be it'll be fascinating to watch it this year. But yeah, I think the only thing that the, the biggest takeaway for me was when you said offensive line. You just, I didn't think about it. Like I thought yeah. I, I figured all, Green Bay would have been one of the worst with the right side. Just who knows what it's going to happen. Yeah. And all of a sudden thinking about like oh the Bears have Jason Spriggs on their team. Like the Vikings got excited because they re-signed Riley Reef. Like <laughs> they restructured Riley Reef. Yeah, because like thank God we don't have to put Ezra Cleveland at left tackle. Like oh my God, like it would have been it would have been Zadarius with seven sacks in the first game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean Minnesota's always had the offensive line problems. Detroit hasn't been great. Um, the bears yeah i mean it's all kind of all over the board so yeah um yeah i i mean i agree with most of it yeah great stuff dusty that's why we said you could be on a team as, as a coach or <laughs> something you. of that nature because that was just so detailed and wonderful so thank you mm-hmm. um eric's food question um it's another good one so the topic is tacos he wants to know hard shell or soft shell, the best topping and a garbage topping. So, Steve, why don't you start us off with this one? Oh, there's so many variables to this. Mm-hmm. Um, we're trying to figure out if it was topping, if it was ingredients. So, to make life easier on everybody, we went with ingredients. Uh, I will start by saying a soft shell. If you're going to do like an authentic, a th- authentic taco with cilantro, onion, a little bit of lime, like that's that's a soft shell taco there's no mm-hmm. if ands or buts like there's no way around it the only time i will do a hard shell taco is if i'll go to taco bell however they've now gotten rid of them which i'm very upset about but did they really uh no no not hard shells i'm i'm still talking sir i hadn't finished the statement oh. <laughs> uh but the it was the original double decker taco which was a soft shell with refried beans and then wrapped around a hard shell inside like their original taco it was awesome. I don't like, I mean, I know it's Taco Bell and it's awful food and you know, nobody, you shouldn't really be eating Taco Bell for the most part, but it was so good. Like I always, no, ju- no judgment here, Steve. No, no judgment I loved, here. Those, those ones I loved. Um, as far as the best topping goes, if I'm going to get tacos, like it, it's always a mix, but um, I, I think the pork tacos are the best ones. I, I was going to say steak, but uh, normally I do a steak and a pork combo if I can. But uh, pork uh, carnitas are normally my favorite. And then garbage topping. It was kind of funny. We talked about it. If you give me an authentic taco and you put pico de gallo on it, so a little bit of tomato, a little onion, a little bit of cilantro in there, like, oh, that sounds awesome. I, I love that. But if you give me a gringo taco with uh, with ground beef and lettuce and, and just normal cheese uh, if you tell me that you're putting tomato on it i'll just throw the taco out because like just regular <laughs> tomato juices are disgusting and regular tomatoes are just gross but somehow pico de gallo is okay so uh yeah i think that's where i land on that yeah for me um i, I mean also soft shell 
because that's that's really the only option. I go. Uh, I'm going to steak. I do love me now. There's I, uh, when I used to go into the office, which seems like several lifetimes ago. Uh, during the summer, about once a week, a taco truck would come by. You know, somebody in the office would book a food truck, and a taco truck would come by. And they they had tremendous quesadillas, and they had a, they had a bunch of different things for tacos. But I would always go steak steak soft shelled tacos, can't miss. And for the topping for that. Like Steve said, it's just, it, I go I go simple. I go cilantro, I go onion, I go a hint of lime, I go maybe if I feel like it, some of the really hot sauce, like a little like a little dabble of that. Uh, so that would be that. I mean, that's uh, that has never failed me, not once. So that's what I'll go with. And as far as garbage topping, just keep keep refried beans just all the way up out of my face. Like it's a it's it's gross. They taste gross. They look gross. They're a terrible texture. I don't want them on my taco. I don't want them on the plate with a taco. I don't want them anywhere near the vicinity where I am texture. eating it's my taco. Smooth. Like what kind of refried huh? beans are you eating? I've had a you lot like, of different. I've had a lot of refried beans from a lot of places. The smooth and, texture. That's what's horrible. Yeah, it's it's like a, it's like someone's like, it's like a like Gladys at the lunch line is just like plopped it on you. What? You also eat smooth peanut butter. I, first of all, two entirely different textures. Two <laughs> entirely <laughs> different textures. Wait, what ref- refried beans have you had, Steve? <laughs> no, refried beans, like peanut butter. Peanut butter. <laughs> Steve just gets his refried beans out of a out of a can. It's a Jif refried beans. <laughs> Do you not get refried beans out of a can? <laughs> what magical refried beans do you get? I don't because they're disgusting. Oh my god. So oh. keep refried beans. Far away from me, please, and thank you. Hey, some strong feelings there. Mm-hmm. Wow. All right, for me, I agree. Soft shell is definitely the way to go. Um, as far as a protein, steak is my go-to. But if we're talking like a specific topping, for me, cheese can make or break a good taco. So whether that be shredded, you know, white cheddar, yellow cheddar cheese, or... Um, just like queso sprinkled on the top it, it can be yellow queso it can be um white cheddar queso whatever I'm, I'm for it so um cheese definitely has to be on my taco and the garbage topping i hate sour cream so for me if i have this beautiful taco and then all of a sudden there's just a slab of sour cream on it i'm like no i don't want that i want to enjoy all of the ingredients that are in the taco without like the sour cream i feel like it's too overwhelming of a taste and it just kind of takes over the taco so no sour cream for me just put a little bit on man like it's not that big. like how much sour cream do you put on it it overtakes the whole taco the sour cream for me like the taste is too strong and it just even if there's just a little bit it, it's too overpowering for me not a fan so okay answer okay so that wraps it up for questions thank you guys again um for sending in some great ones this week and we'll um as always be asking again next week and i'm sure you'll have a lot more with the season right around the corner so we're gonna break down you know the game and uh what to expect and what to look out for and what we're excited about and we want to hear what you guys are excited about too so definitely be on the lookout for our tweets next week um as far as closing thoughts steve why don't you start us off do you have any closing thoughts this week yeah not too much um I was able to go on a little mini vacation this last weekend with the the wife and the kids and went up to the Indiana State Dune uh Indiana State Dunes uh so it was really fun we got to go to the beach and 
Uh, everybody was, you know, social distancing, keeping themselves away from each other as much as humanly possible, which was really cool. But the other thing I did was I deleted Twitter and Facebook off of my phone for the entire <laughs> weekend. And it was really cool. Honestly, it was really cool. I legitimately did not miss anything. There was nothing that needed to be done. I was able just to spend time with the family. So if you get that opportunity, I highly suggest it. It was just, uh, it was refreshing for me. It was just kind of a nice break from reality and break from every everything in the world. So if you can do it, highly suggest it. Um, again, the same kind of thing as always. If you guys are going through anything and want to talk about something, feel free to DM us uh, on Twitter. Just be smart, wear a mask, do good things, and overall just, just try to be a good person in these tough times, and hopefully we'll, uh, we'll power through everything together. But, um, but yeah, that, that's about all I got right now. Yeah, I've got, um, you know, writing stuff. I mentioned last week I did, uh, I started back up over at Cheesehead writing stuff again, kind of getting ready for the season. So last week I'd written part one of my three-part series on EQ. So I went, went through his entire 2018, watched every snap of his, and then kind of took all of his snaps, made a bunch of videos, and then broke those down into uh, basically four four main categories. And so I'm kind of going through those. I have a three-week series going through. And so last week was on route running, uh, which was which was awesome. Just 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 kind of going through and rewatching all this. Because I remember him from 2018, but I didn't watch him you know super closely. So watching you do is awesome. Uh, last week was route running. This week, so today uh, at 4 o'clock, uh, over on Cheesehead, you'll be able to read. I've got uh, it's one on his speed, the speed aspect of his game, and run blocking aspect of his game, uh, which was a lot of fun. And then next week uh, we've got a last one, which is uh, that's on the coverage recognition. Got a got a few clips in there, but go over to Cheesehead today this afternoon. You'll be able to read the one on on his uh, run blocking and speed, which was just again a lot of fun to go through. And then I've got another piece. I'm <laughs> I'm now frantically trying to fit in before the season. Uh, someone uh, suggested, "Hey, I wondered if you thought about looking at the offense that Jordan Love ran at Utah State and the and uh, Lafleur's offense last year and see how those intersect." I was like, "Oh, that would be cool." So I'm kind of digging into that now. Um, spoiler alert: Jordan Love's offense at Utah State was super boring, just <laughs> super super boring. Uh, so we'll see if I make it through the whole season or just half a season, but I'm sure that'll be coming out at some point. So I'm working on that now. Um, and then, yeah, just echo Steve's thoughts, man. Just be nice. Be... Bill and Ted 3 came out this past week. And just uh, just be excellent to each other, guys. Just be nice. Be thoughtful. Be respectful. Like, it's not – it shouldn't be that hard. Um, well, thank you, Dusty, um, for sharing um, some news about your Cheesehead TV piece and then um, the piece at the end as well. Um, I have a piece that just came out on Sunday for Cheesehead TV um, as well. I know I mentioned uh, last week that – uh, during training camp um, slash designated preseason time, I will be recapping each week and just kind of what happened at each practice and um, you know, if players sat out, who sat out, who um, media uh, like Aaron Nagler, um, Wes Hoswitz as a Packers writer, Matt Scheinman that we've had on our podcast a couple times now, just basically what they're tweeting out. And it's really cool that um, even though, you know, I'm not there, I'm able to write this piece that's basically recapping the whole week of training camp and what happened because of the great work that they're doing. And of course, I'm referencing their tweets and their work, but it's something that's really cool. And um, it's all the news in one place. So if you're trying to catch up or you don't know where to look, uh, I encourage you to look there. Um, I'll have my last one up 
this Sunday at 4 p.m. is when they usually come out. And then after that, I'll be recapping all of the games. So this is just kind of a mini series before the game recap started. And I wasn't sure how it was going to go. And it's gone really well so far. And I've really enjoyed it. So I'm hoping that maybe you know, next season it's something that I continue. Um, and it's also allowed me to just kind of take a look at the end of every day. You know, I don't do this as my full-time job. So I'm working all day. And then it's kind of nice to just at the end of the day after I eat dinner to kind of log on to my computer and say, what happened in Packers world today? Let's look, let's take a deep dive. And it's been just really cool to do that. Um, and then otherwise, again, like we're always here when you guys need us. Um, DMs are open. Um, you know, we want to talk to you guys. I even had someone that just messaged me the other day and they were like, hey, I don't, I don't want to sound weird, but what is Carrie the genie? Like, I feel like I missed that whole conversation. <laughs> now that talks about it. And like, it seems cool. What does it mean? And we had a conversation and we talked about it real quick. Even, even something as simple as that, like we're here. No question is, you know, a stupid question to us. We want to listen to you guys and what you have to say, whether that's, you know, with Packers or with football. And uh, last thing, you know, I hate to end things kind of on a sad note, but the news that Chadwick Boseman passed away just really just hit me hard. I mean, you guys know from just listening to the podcast and following me on Twitter, like I'm a huge Marvel person. Like I love all those movies. And, you know, I'd watched 42 years ago and was just amazed by his performance in that and really just thought he was spectacular. And then to see him cast as Black Panther was so cool. And I just remember being pretty excited about that and just, the fact that, you know, he went through all that he did and we had no idea and he was delivering and living his life. I think that should just be a lesson to everyone that you never know what someone's going through. Um, everyone's fighting their own battles. So like we always say, be kind to one another because you just truly never know and appreciate the people in your life. Because, you know, even people that were close to him had no idea that he was going through this struggle and they they probably wish they had one more time, or one more conversation. So love each other a little more. Um, these days and check up on your friends, check up on your family and, and just be good to each other. So on that note, we'll call it a week. Thank you guys as always for listening. Uh, we love talking with you Packers with each other and with you guys each week. And we'll see you next week. As always, go Pack Go!